Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always airing first on WPVMLP Asheville 103.7 and streaming online WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville, heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio, coming out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song. WalterParks.com for more on Walter's music. Thank you, Davine Dial, for managing WPVMFM. We appreciate it. Couldn't do all this radio without you. And thank you, Robin Collier, for managing KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio, coming out of Taos, New Mexico. Today, I'm guest-free. Just you and I are on this together. I'm on the road. I'm in Paris, and I'm walking through Luxembourg Park, Jardin Luxembourg. I think you might hear some people say in French. My French accent's not that great. I've been coming to Paris for many, many years. I've often mentioned it on this show. So today I'm on a slow stroll through the big park. You've probably seen it in, in the movies. They do shoot movie scenes here. In fact, as I cross the street to come into the park, someone was shooting a movie scene in, in one of the restaurants. One of the people on the crew directed me across the street and away from the scene. If you've ever been in a city and you've seen how movies are made, you know that they block the streets off and then go ahead and shoot the movie. So I crossed the street, stepped into the Luxembourg Park, Jardin Luxembourg, and I'm looking at pigeons, maybe 75 or 100 pigeons on the well-mown lawn. The place is packed. It's Monday afternoon, around 4.30, going on 5 o'clock. Work people are off from work. Now here in this park, if you've ever been here, you'll know that they have little green chairs. Some swoop back, some are straight back chairs. So folks sit in the chairs, they put their feet up, they move the chairs around, and then they leave the chairs in the park after the park closes. You may be wondering why nobody ever takes the chairs. I suspect since it's Paris, and since folks are well manicured here, the security staff keeps, keeps watch. Not to mention that they have a few cameras around that would catch you if you snatched a chair. I suppose a chair or two has been taken away since this park's been around, but I'll bet not too many. So, you have tourists here. I'd say I'm kind of a somewhat tourist. Don't do that many touristy things when I'm here, but I do, I do walk around a bit. I have never been up in the Eiffel Tower. I've been coming here since 1985. Don't know how many times I've been here. Never been up in the Eiffel Tower. I'm afraid of heights. So I think if I went up in the Eiffel Tower, I might be a little bit wobbly, so I avoid it. This is a place that has very little wildness to it. If you live in Taos, New Mexico, or 
Asheville, North Carolina, where this show airs, or somewhere else for that matter in the world, especially if you live in the country, you will know that the wildness outside of the city is, well, unmanicured by people. It's just there. It's wild. Here you have a different kind of wildness. I'm looking at beautiful flowers, late summer flowers, and there's nothing wild about these flowers. The flowers are well placed, well thought out, and yet when I look at them, I feel a little wild imaginative urgings that come up. Something makes me think I could, I could see some little gnome lurking under the white, the white flowers or the red flowers or the purple flowers or the purple and yellow flowers with the bee right in the middle harvesting the honey. It's late September, so these flowers will be around for a while. Eventually by November they will be gone. No more bees, no more flowers. Something else will take its place. Maybe the, the winter mulch will be here. Who knows? But the park crew will take care of it. You can be sure of that. Imagination. A place like this has always stirred my imagination. I see a couple of palm trees. Well, why do they have palm trees here? Well, I think these palm trees may be the palm trees they actually put along the river, the Seine, for summertime when they make a beach for the people who can't leave the city. So they just put the palm trees down, put some sand, close the road, call it a beach. There's a river, so why not? You can hear the, the noise, just the muffled sound of the park. I'll bet you there are a um, thousand people in this park right now. I'm looking around and I wouldn't even want to begin to count them, but hey, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven men sitting on the chairs having an afternoon conversation. Just eleven in one bunch, so I'm sure there would be other other people bunched up. So a thousand people, how about that? Let's go with a thousand. I've been thinking lately about imaginative intelligence. My creative collaborator, Allegra Houston, suggested that I start contemplating the difference between artificial intelligence and imaginative intelligence. And I told her I would, so what better place to think about imaginative intelligence than right here in a beautiful park in Paris. How much imaginative intelligence has happened in this town over the centuries? Imagine plenty of it's happened here. So the idea of intelligence, intelligence is something that you do when you want to put something together, to think something through. Imagination is when you can imagine doing it. You can see it happening. And then creativity is when you put the two together. 
imagination, intelligence, and you, you get something. Something emerges. For example, this radio show is a combination of imaginative intelligence and creativity. I wouldn't say it's artificial intelligence, but you probably have already guessed that imaginative intelligence is my counter to artificial intelligence. Now, I like using ChatGPT. I even subscribe to it. Pay $20 a month for ChatGPT4. I don't use it to write material, but I will ask it to give me hex colors, say for the color of blue, 25 different shades of blue, with an explanation for how those shades will affect someone emotionally when they view the color. It works. I can drop the hex color into Canva and make a little poster with a beautiful blue. And then if I'm in the mood, I will do the same with red or purple or yellow. I am no color theorist. I really don't have much of a background in design, but I do know that I respond very, very well to bright colors. Like the kind of colors you see in some areas of the world. I think in the Caribbean a bit, they paint their houses down there. The folks create all these multicolored tropical type vibrations using, using the color in the houses. So I can do that with ChatGPT4. But imaginative intelligence, what does that mean? There's something to be said for the allowance of things. Can I allow myself to just simply drop into the imaginative vibe of the moment? Say, for example, here I am in Luxembourg Park walking around. You can hear the, hear the noise. I've now moved myself all the way to the other end of the park. A few cars are going by. I have a wool sweater on. It's hot. I didn't think it was going to be this warm. But hey, this sweater tells me that it is. Now, I'm sitting down on a stoop, looking out across the way I just came. Large building in the distance that I passed on the way in. Students coming and going. Couples moving around. Here's a whole student body running. They're making their circle. They're, they're jogging along. Look like they're high school students. Earnest. Both boys and girls jogging along, getting in shape. And there was a time when I ran a lot, like these people did. So what is imaginative intelligence? What can I say about this place that might be poetic? Let me give it a try, see what comes out. I'm going to listen to, listen to the park. The trees don't move in this park. The leaves respond to the season, respond to the wind, the breeze. The leaves move with their brown edges folded round like hands cupped waiting for the rain to come to 
capture some moisture, the last bit of what they'll touch before they fall to the ground and become something other than leaves. And the students circle around and around. Here they come again. The boy in the white shirt's ahead of everybody else. He's very proud of himself. The leader, maybe he thinks. And the rest, do they care? Do they not care? The feet go down, down, down on the sandy ground. Nobody bothers to notice me. I'm invisible. The air is invisible. I see through the air. In the distance, the hedges are trimmed. Behind me, the cars move back and forth. I wonder what people say when they sit on the grass. Do they say, I will see you again tonight? Tomorrow, we'll meet for another time. Let's study what it means to touch a tree. Let's relax, look up at the sky, consider the gray clouds. Look at the blue popping through. I am not authorized to walk on the grass, but I can lie here on this grass, unauthorized, my heart beating in time with Maybe the earthworm is crawling beneath me. Who knows what's below me under the ground. And then the dog walks by on a leash attached to a hand that belongs to a woman who is pushing a carriage around the bend, pausing for a moment to make sure her child has something to Remember, the afternoon fades and fades and fades as all afternoons fade. And the runners circle round and round in this town. Everybody sings about at least once in their life. And if not everybody, a goodly number sing about this town, Paris. Is it romantic? What is romantic? What is imaginative intelligence? How is your imaginative intelligence? Will you allow yourself to just say what you want to say without concern? And I'm talking to myself now. Without concern for what another will think? Can you spin a story? Can you, can you hold something that feels small and yet you know has the weight of truth. Does a slice of quiche infatuate you? And of course now I have a pigeon right in front of me walking by, head bobbing back and forth like pigeons have done for centuries and centuries. Where have all the pigeons gone? That's a good line for a song. Well the pigeons haven't gone anywhere. The pigeons are right here in this park. It's time for me to stand up and start to walk again. Time for me to keep telling you this story that will continue on for another bit of time. My friend Gareth Higgins, who lives in North Carolina in Dublin, has invited me to come in March to share in a gathering that he's doing in Montreat, North Carolina. I'll go there and 
presents some poetry. I'll go there and visit with friends. I'll go there and maybe you'll be there and maybe we can meet. Maybe we can do some imaginative intelligence. Maybe we don't need intelligence at all. Maybe we just need imagination. Let the imagination be your guide. And why not? There's so much to say and so much time to say it in. There are so many reasons why I walk. I enjoy the leaves on the ground. I enjoy being ordinary. Once when I was growing up on Brevard Road in Asheville, North Carolina, I remember the local radio station ran a contest. Contest was a contest that gave the winner $500. $500 was a lot of money in 1950. Who knows how much it works out to be, but it's, it was a good chunk. And the way you won the money, you had to listen all the time for the clues. They gave a clue every day. And the clues were very difficult and almost impossible to put together. You had to, had to really pay attention. And I wanted to win that $500, and I listened and listened and listened, but I couldn't figure out where it was. Well, funny thing about that $500, when the winner did find it, when they did announce the winner, the box was buried underneath the bridge on Brevard Road that crossed what was called Hominy Creek. Now, Hominy Creek was a very brown, polluted creek at the time. It was back before anybody thought that the rivers could do without all the sewage and pollution being dumped into them from the factories. But that box was under the Hominy Creek Bridge, and the reason why I find it so ironic. I must have crossed over the Hominy Creek Bridge dozens of times while I was looking for the box, listening to the radio, and there it was right under me the entire time. So you have to wonder, when you're looking for treasure, what's right under you? What's right under you the entire time? And how does that fold into the way you move through your life. What's right there? What kind of treasure can you see with little effort? Child goes by on a bicycle. Couldn't be more than five or six. He's known how to ride the bicycle for a long time. He has a green shirt and some red pants and he zips past like he's been doing it for a hundred years. And couples sit in the park. Some look sad, some look happy, worrying about the future. And then older people sit in the park. Some look sad, some look happy, worrying about their future. The future, the future. What does the future bring? I hosted a, a workshop this weekend, this past weekend actually called the Manageable Memoir Workshop. 
100 days. The theme, 100 days. What can you do in 100 days? Can you grow a garden in 100 days? Can you heal from an accident in 100 days? Can you get over a broken heart in 100 days? Well, you might not be able to get over a broken heart in 100 days, but you can get a good start. You can start to at least feel better in 100 days after you've suffered a broken heart. Can you write a memoir in 100 days? Well, I believe you can. That was what our theme was this past weekend. When you put your attention to generating written work or telling your stories, I believe something ripples out, some essence, some essential part of your, your being, maybe even your soul ripples out a bit. It, it floods across the, the ether waves, the consciousness, the invisibility, the air that's between us. The air you can see through to see the trees and the people in the park. So when you do a story, write a story, tell a story, you find many ways to enter and to shake things up. I know I've often told the story of how I love to play the guitar. Told that story many times on this show. I sometimes, oh, and I love to play the guitar because my father taught me how to play the guitar and we didn't have a great relationship, but when it came to music, it was, it was really very nice. And then I put the guitar away and didn't pick it up. And later, later, later in my adult years, I picked it up about seven years ago and started playing again. Now I'm walking through the park and I'm missing my guitar. I don't have it with me now. I didn't bring it because I had a carry-on sack. But I do miss playing it. My fingers need the strings. My fingers need the, the movement. My ears need to hear the songs. I need to say, say the, say the words as I play the songs. So that's the story I tell about my father. He was a World War II veteran, so he brought much of the war back home. That is to say, he believed in corporal punishment. Let us just leave it at that. And, oh, I'm passing somebody who's decided to move from her studies and do some push-ups in the park. She has blue jeans and a red shirt on. Why not do a little push-up or two in the park? What can it hurt? But the stories I want to tell now are stories that aren't my official stories. Stories that I maybe haven't ever thought of telling. And the reason why I don't tell some of those stories that I maybe would like to tell is because I don't think they will impress you. So here we are. Imagination, intelligence, creativity, impressing people. Does, it, does impressing someone have a value when it comes to creativity, when it comes to making things? 
Well, I've always been held up by it, I'll tell you that. It's just like this radio show right now. It's taking me a bit of courage to keep talking. My, my creative juices are flowing a little bit, I suppose. And yet I look at the Coca-Cola bottle on the ground and some Red Bull cans that have been discarded. Someone didn't clean up their trash. My juices are maybe flowing a little bit. I'm not quite in the flow. And I'm thinking, well, I should just stop this. I should not do this anymore. Why would anybody care? Why would I put this on the radio? Well, when I have those thoughts, I, I pause and think, those thoughts are the reason why I should record this show in this park and put it on the radio. I sometimes think the children yelling behind me, yelling in glee, might have more to say with their yells than I have to say with this, but I have to keep talking. I have to give you something, and I have to give you something that will take up the hour, and yet, is it interesting? Is that even worth talking about? I remember years ago when I was doing creativity camps with Julia Cameron. Julia Cameron wrote a book called The Artist Way. You may, may have that book on your shelf. Julia and I met in 1995, I believe, and she invited me to help her produce creativity camps. First one we did was in Connecticut at a place I believe called Wisdom House. Julia invited me along with some other people to come sit on the panel, say something important. Believe me, she, she was a big advocate, that's for sure. She is at the creativity business, even now. But she introduced me as one of America's greatest poets. Well, I was 45 and I, don't, I, I was hardly one of America's greatest poets. I enjoyed generating some verse, but that was about it. But she didn't mind the, she didn't mind the pitch. So here, here's what I would like to tell you about that time. There was a woman there. She was uh, overseas based somewhere. Don't remember where. She was the wife of a, a diplomat. I don't believe she was a diplomat. But she was working in that foreign service community. And if you've ever been in the foreign service community, or if you've ever known anybody who's been in that community, you will know the people are very refined. And I use the word refined in the best sense of refinement. Some people will talk about being refined, but they're a little raw in their refinement. Beautiful refinement, like this woman had, is very smooth. And how I know I'm around smooth refinement, I start to smooth out. I start to feel more complete, more refined. Something rubs off. Well, that was how she was. Maybe it's because people in the Foreign Service community dress well. I don't know. So she came to me and said, I have to give a speech in the month, and I'm terrified. Can you help me? I said, what kind of speech do you have to give? I really don't remember exactly what her speech was, or where she was going to give it, or what it was, or any of the rest. But I do remember she said she was very nervous because she had, had never done anything like that before. And who knows? 
Maybe she was telling the truth or maybe she was just stretching the truth. Either way, I said, well, let's get in the flow. Let's find some, some creative juice for you. And she said, well, what can I do? So I was facilitating a, a large poetry workshop. It was really a spoken word workshop and she was there because she wanted to learn more about it. And she thought, well, if this guy can perform poetry, he might be able to teach me something. So I asked her to stand up. Let's just say her name was Mary because I don't remember it. But Mary, I said, what I'd like for you to do is to stand up and tell everybody the title of your speech or of your talk. Now she did have a title. She was able to do that. And she stood up and she gave her title. And then I said to the group, everybody stand up and give Mary a standing O. Give her a standing ovation. Stand up, give her a standing ovation. And they all rose, cheering Mary. She threw her scarf back, bowed two or three times in great diva fashion and walked off the stage. Everybody was cheering. And I said, there you go, Mary. Why don't you start with your standing ovation and work from there? Now you know what it feels like to get a standing ovation. And what she learned in that time, standing before her adoring crowd, she learned how to accept appreciation. She learned how to allow appreciation to, to happen. And as she let it happen, she was in flow. So that's one of the reasons why doing creative work without getting so dependent on whether it's good or bad or whether this will be the most intriguing thing that you have ever experienced when you listen to the show, of course I want it to be. And I worry about that even now, even in this second walking under these trees as I'm working my, way, working my way out of the park. But I also want this to be raw. I want it to be real. I want to pop over the steps and see the woman kneeling down with a bouquet of flowers, getting ready to shoot, or she is shooting, an Instagram video. The woman is wearing a yellow French cap, and the other woman has long hair down to her waist, She's wearing a beautiful purse, has a green dress on, some white shoes, and she's quite well posed. And they seem to be enjoying themselves. And her green dress matches the, the green grass. And of course, I'll bet you can guess there are some pigeons on the grass. Now the pigeons are not posing for the Instagram, Instagram reel, but the, but the woman is. And they seem very happy. And, the woman who might be even her sister is laughing and she said I'm laughing because I got it now how fun is that I'm laughing because I got it now how many times have you seen that and then I just turn and I see a fellow long hair to his shoulders nice wool coat a tie keys draping from his belt stylish it's not fashion week in Paris but this guy could be on the runway and he's strolling along in, in the Jardin Luxembourg. 
stories, creativity, imaginative intelligence, allowance. Can you allow yourself to drop into what you want to do, where you want to go? Can you intuit something that tells you you're on the right beat? I am not always in the right place. I got, I got a wandering thing going on and I take a lot of circuitous routes and I sometimes wonder what in the world am I doing? But right now, I am in the right place. Save for my sweater being a little too warm because the afternoon is a little too warm, but I like my sweater because it's blue. I don't think I'm all that fashionable, but I do have a scarf on and I'm glad to have my scarf on. It's a, it's a thin, easy scarf, so it doesn't have wool. Ah, here are some tourists on, on bicycles, touring the park. Gazelle bicycles, Gazelle Espe, Espere, that's the name of the bicycle. Fellow on the knoll over here is on his tripod with his iPhone, taking photos. Underneath some of the most beautiful purple flowers I have ever seen, and there's a picture of some divine angel, or maybe it's a prince underneath the oak trees. Ah, to my left, a young fellow, bulletproof vest, cap on his head, security. He has a big rifle over his chest, pistol on his belt, short sleeve shirts. He's guarding the gardens. The gardens are being guarded by the man who's holding the gun. Attention, do not cross over this line. You can look, but do not enter, the sign says. There's beauty in the ordinary afternoon. The way I pass my time, I'm just having you on this walk with me through the park. I'm inviting you to just be here, to watch me Actually, you can't watch me, but maybe you were watching me in your imagination. Here we are back to imaginative intelligence. You know, I don't know anything about imaginative intelligence. When Allegra Houston asked me to give some thought, I said, sure, I'll be glad to give some thought about imaginative intelligence. But now that I think about it, I don't know what to say. I've never done any research on imaginative intelligence, but I do know what it means to imagine. And I do know what it means to have some degree of intelligence, some reason to be. And now I am approaching one of those green chairs. So what I'd like to do now is sit for a moment in the green chair. Ah, yes. Now, I have to tell you, there's something very unexpected in this park. I was over here a few days ago, sitting in one of these chairs, right here in front of this statue, which is of a large man. And then another body, I can't tell if it's a man or a woman, holding, drooping from the large man. Maybe it's the large man's spirit drooping out. I don't know. It looks like it could have been the soldiers who fought in the resistance in World War II. I know that the wall around this park still has bullet holes in it from 
from the World War II battles they fought, the partisans fought the Nazis. Now there's something in this park that will surprise you. I can hear, hear the birds. There's a flock of parrots here. Parrots will live for sometimes 80, 90 years. If you own a parrot, you might want to make sure you put the parrot in your will because when the parrot's in your will, it'll pass on. Likely that parrot will outlive you. These parrots are here, who knows how many generations. And they seem to do well interacting with the pigeons, but I don't know if the parrots and the pigeons get along. I can't tell. But I do know they're parrots because they're brightly colored birds. And I suspect someone just turned them out and they found the park and they decided this park was home. So, leaves on the ground, grass green, maybe the soldiers in the lot, maybe the soldiers, large statue, I don't know, look like spirits. And when I say large, I mean 20 feet tall, at least, very high, very high, and very thin, thin like trees. And I imagine if you were in the war, any war, and you were there for a while, you might get, it, get thin like a tree. Food might be hard to come by. Eating is not something you do when you're, when you're fighting the other side. And of course, each side thinks the other side's the enemy. And I imagine if you are on one side or another, you are indeed in enemy territory or you're fighting the enemy. I don't like to think of enemies, foes. We all have them. But I don't like to think of it. Not here, not in this park. I like to think that maybe we could all get along. How many songs have been written about that? I'm not naive. I know that you don't get along with everybody. And I know that the parrots may not get along with the pigeons. Or maybe they will. Who knows? This is a nice spot. I'll come back here again, maybe tomorrow, and look for more parrots. Now, as we move on through the show, I'm going to continue my walk. I'm going to leave the park now, maybe in about three minutes. I'm going to walk out of the park. Oh, here's a fellow with his iPhone, legs crossed, shoes up, talking. Another woman reading a book on tape or reading a book. Computers open. Some people who have nothing more to do than sit are sitting, relaxed. The woman has one of the most beautiful blue bracelets I've ever seen on her right wrist, sitting there on the park bench. If you observe things as you're moving around, you will see a lot. Like for example, the iron railing that twists around and then bends a little bit. Why that railing would bend, I don't know. Who made that railing bend? Or the sign that tells you the color of the plants. The secret colors in the garden. Jardin du Luxembourg, as they say. I wish I could speak French better. I can do it okay, but I'm kind of insecure about it. But that's okay. Insecurity can inform you. I'm headed to the gate now. I'm going to walk out on the street and finish this show out walking down. Down a street I'm very familiar with. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into this park and walked out and you've been with me this time. What I've been talking about for the last bit of time is what I do when I walk around alone. In some ways, this is what I do when I walk around with my friends as well. Ah, 
clear out, I have to raise my voice a bit to be able to have enough volume so you can hear me. But maybe you don't want to hear me. Maybe you want to hear the sounds of the city. The streets are very easy to walk. I'm crossing now. And there's a taxi. You can get a taxi here in Paris. All you have to do is signal and they'll stop for you and take you anywhere you want to go. It's about 20 euro to drive all the way across town. Not too big a deal. If you want to go across town and you don't feel like walking. So now I'm on a quiet street. The first time I came here was 1985. I graduated from UNCA with a degree in international relations and I had studied French as a language, which I loved. And yet I was always, like I said, a bit intimidated by, by my ability to speak it. I'm still studying it and I'm still an eternal advanced beginner. You know, it's good to think, think about ourselves as advanced beginners. And why not? What's, what's wrong with that? Why not be advanced as a beginner? Because if you're a beginner, then you always know you have something to learn. Now, I am walking past a hotel, uh, Michelet Odeon, Hotel Michelet Odeon. And the reason I bring it up is because Walter Parks, who gives us our theme song every year, used to stay in this hotel, and he told me he really liked it. So every time I walk by this little hotel, Michelet Odeon, I think of Walter, staying in the hotel, maybe having a little cafe somewhere along the way. Now, one of the things to note about Paris streets, actually Paris sidewalks, not all sidewalks in Paris are wide. I will say though, many of them are more than ample to walk down and on the more um, um, generous boulevards, they're quite wide, almost the same width of, as, a, as a street. One lane on a street, one lane on a road. I like that. Scooters park along the sides. Little stickers on the walls tell you about events. I'm looking at the doors. Most of the doors are green or blue or black. A lot of them are just green. Why people paint their doors green? Don't know. Maybe we should research that a bit. There's a poem I like by Ezra Pound titled, what is it titled? Um, oh yes, titled In the Station of the Metro. I forgot what the title was. I was so busy thinking about the pigeons. Titled, In the Station of the Metro. The apparition of these faces in a crowd, petals on a wet black bough. Well, it's not raining, and there are no petals on the wet black boughs, but I just stopped in front of a rental place for $1,100 for $1, a month. You can rent a little studio. $200 a night, you can rent another little studio. For $4,000 a month, you can rent a big studio. Another one is $470 a night. And then for sale, you can buy a three-room apartment for $1,500,000 euros, not dollars. But the dollar and the euro are fairly close, so 
they're almost comparable. The euro is a little bit more than the dollar and it changes every day. So this is one of the most expensive neighborhoods in all of Paris. The sixth, sixth arrondissement. It's $15,000 per square meter. So that means if you have 30 square meters, which is about around 300 square feet, that's a half a million dollars. That's what it would cost you to buy an apartment in this neighborhood. Now that's a good chunk of money. And yet, I'll tell you this, if I had that kind of money, I might just buy an apartment here. I've been coming to this neighborhood, like I said, since 1985, and it's absolutely, it's absolutely embedded in my psychology. I'm not French, I'll never be French. I'm a, I'm a fellow from Asheville, North Carolina, and I, I've stopped pretending, if I ever did, to be anything other than that. Grew up on Brevard Road. There were motorcycles on Brevard Road even when I was growing up. So when I come to Paris, I don't try to be anything other than just me walking down the street. Imaginative intelligence. I don't know if I've even addressed that subject, but I have given you my sense of what it means just to walk around the neighborhood. Walk until my time runs out. Walk until this show is finished. Walk past the woman smoking a cigarette, eating, eating guacamole and chips at a cafe. Yeah, the cafes look exactly like you see them in the, in the pictures. Absolutely the same. And they, they serve a good purpose. They ask you to relax, to, to take it easy to not get so bundled up with your busy, busy, busy world. And the pigeons, the pigeons are still here and here's another woman with a dog. The dog is kind of cute. Too much fur on the dog for the heat, but maybe the dog doesn't care. A lot of scars, men wear a lot of scars around here. They joke with each other, they laugh. I'm walking past another cafe. Where did all the cafes come from? Paris and its cafes. And now I'm coming to a very busy intersection. The, the Odeon, Odeon stop. Oysters, oysters, somebody's selling oysters in the, in the stand. Le Denton, it's a cafe. I had a coffee here before with somebody. And now I'm on the busy street. Lots of action. Cinema, cinema's here. Cars going by, I'm hot, I'm tired from the walk but hey it's good fun to do such things as walk around Paris now I'm crossing the street it's um about 6 p.m. in the evening and I'm ooh oh the light turned and it's red now I'm taking a sorry. risk sorry. somebody said sorry and I'm busy talking to you and she scared me I'm taking a risk and she said sorry and my body chilled. Now I'm thick with people. It's thick, thick, thick with people. You can hear it. This is a great way to close the show. There's a little dog in there. Everybody has little dogs. What are we gonna, what are we gonna do? I like little dogs. I used to not be so much of a dog person, but lately I, I have become a better dog person. 
Ah, I'm looking down a passage, and I know for sure that down the passage, about 200 feet, is, is an intersection that intersects with another passage. The stones on the passage are two or three or four hundred years old, and I know that the first guillotine in Paris was was um, first used right there at that corner. And that's a macabre way to close a show. I can tell you that. Anyway, that's that's where the that's where the passage guillotine passage is. So I'm walking down the neighborhood, passing a restaurant called Le Procop. Fondi, it's founded in 1686. I would try to say 1686 in French, but if you've ever tried to do French numbers, you know that it's it's hard to keep up with all the math. Um, and I won't try because it would take me an hour to figure it out. So why why do that? There's a bar here called Bar de Maché, BDM. If you have a chance to Google it, Google BDM Bar de Maché. It was a fun place. My buddy John Van Hassel, whom I'm visiting now here in this neighborhood, it's a fun place where we went many, many times. Haven't been there this time, um, mostly because it's crowded and kind of, kind of, kind of worn, worn, worn out from it in some ways. It's not the same scene as it once was, but the street, the street is the same scene. And on this corner, occasionally. People will gather with their instruments, their musical instruments, and they, they'll play. Oh my goodness, wait. They're there now. Okay, let's go across. Let's go across and we'll close the show with some music. This is fun. You can hear it. I think they're Americans. This is pretty cool, really. Thank you. 
me roll of Asheville heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEI Cultural Energy Radio coming out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you Walter Parks for our theme song but not right now. Thank you fellows on the street for the theme song that you're donating at the moment here in Paris across the, across the street from the Lucie Cafe. Don't know who these guys are but I appreciate their music. I'll leave them a little tip in their, in their tip jar. Thank you, Devine Dial, for managing WPVM-FM. We appreciate that, and thank you, Robin Coelier, for managing KCEI. And keep in mind that we are sponsored by the Imaginative Storm Rotting Project. If you'd like to improve your rotting shops, imaginativestorm.com is a good place to go. And on that note, hey, thank you for tuning in. I do appreciate it, and Please do come back sometime soon. Maybe we'll take another walk. Till then, I'll catch you on that turnaround somewhere down the line.